Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Well, uh... Apparently, every single week that I've been up here preaching the last two weeks, I've said the series wrong, and my daughter has corrected me. Um, and so, Olivia, what is it called? Encounters with God. I've said encountering God or something like that every single week. So, we've set the record straight. The series is Encounters with God, and we've been looking at the life of of Joseph the last couple weeks. <clears throat> in 2008, I uh, took part in a discipleship training school in Lakeside, Montana. And after it was completed, I, uh, I went back home and I had been home for roughly three days and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I needed to go back and be a part of this missions organization. So within three weeks, I had um, gone back to Lakeside, Montana. I took part in some more training to go on staff. And then I quickly went back home. I got my visas and paperwork all worked out. I packed up my car. I raised support. And I moved my entire life to Montana. Um, It wasn't all easy. At 20 years old, uh, I uh, I was excited for what the Lord had for me in the future, but there was also some uh, feelings of sadness. Uh, I, for some reason, I knew that I would probably never live near my family again at that point, and it was uh, actually quite difficult for me at times. I, I loved my family a lot, and, uh, but I, I undoubtedly knew that God was calling me to give my life, or at the life that I knew at that point, to this missions organization. He was calling me to go. And after spending four years, the better part of four years, with Youth With a Mission, serving with uh, this missions organization, meeting and, and marrying Becky, my wife, uh, making lifelong relationships, uh, we had to leave the United States for an entire year. Uh, Because of our visas, they had come to an end, and so we had to renew them. And during this year away, we actually lived in Cochrane, at Becky's parents' place in their basement. And um, during this time, we were approached by uh, some, some friends, and they asked us to join a church planting team in Calgary. And after much prayer, uh, much discussion, chatting with uh, different mentors of ours, we decided that indeed it was the Lord asking us to take a step of faith and move our lives to Calgary. And there was a lot of excitement. Uh, We were all pretty young and uh, rambunctious when when we were going to uh, see Calgary get saved. We were going to see the world changed. And um, on some level, there was incredible change during that time. But, but in terms of making this transition, there was actually 
a lot of uh, sadness that went along with it as well. Uh, we had, like I said, made lifelong relationships in uh, Montana. And I remember we had to go back to Montana to pick up all of our stuff and move it to Calgary. And we're driving into Lakeside and I can just feel the emotion welling up inside of me. And uh, we took a few familiar turns, looked at the, the places where we had lived, and we got to our friend's house, and I remember stepping out of the, out of the truck that we were in, and the emotion kept on welling up, and we got to the door, walked through the door, and I completely broke down, just crying, because I knew again we were leaving to something new, something very exciting, but there was something that was going to die as well. <clears throat> this is the life of a believer, a life that is characterized by taking steps of faith, going when he says go, staying when he says stay, a life that is lived in believing for things that we cannot see, trusting that they will come to pass one day. Until the day we die, the Christian life requires us to live by faith. It's not an option uh, to live any differently. It's not a suggestion, it's a requirement. It is par for the course. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, often called the Hall of Faith, lists 16 different people who lived with extraordinary faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. <clears throat> the author defines faith as assurance and conviction. We are assured of the things um, that we hope for and we have a conviction for the things that we have not yet seen. I believe that faith is actually God's love language. The way that we please God, the way that we show our love and affection for him is by stepping out in faith. When we began looking at the life of Joseph, I had mentioned that the story of Joseph really isn't about Joseph. The, the life of Joseph is actually a, a scene change, if you will, from the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we, uh, in the greater context of history, God's plan of redemption, uh, in Genesis 12, God gives a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And we see Abraham trusting in God uh, for that promise to come to pass. And Abraham has a son, Isaac. And Isaac then begins to carry that promise. And then later on, uh, Isaac has a son, Jacob, and Jacob continues to carry that promise. And we get to the part of the story where Jacob has 12 sons, and one of those 12 sons is Joseph. And Joseph... He, um, 
he carries out a major portion of that promise, but he is not the son of promise. We, we read in Genesis chapter 49, um, Jacob, he's blessing his 12 different sons, and we come to find out that Judah is actually the son of uh, promise, that he will now be the one who carries out the promise. And, and so um, the story is a lot larger than Joseph himself. The story is a lot larger than just Genesis 37 through 50. It's the story, it's God's plan of redemption that one day Jesus would come to earth and he would bring salvation. And so today, because the story is much greater than Joseph, I actually want to land in chapter uh, 46 And it's a lot less about Joseph and more about Jacob. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter 46, we're going to read 1 through 7. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes." Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his daughters' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him him into Egypt. We come to Genesis chapter 46 and much of the story of Joseph has actually uh, come to an end. We've seen his life's journey from the pit uh, that he was thrown into, sold into slavery. He's gone into Egypt. He's served Pharaoh. He's been thrown back into prison, comes back out. um, and, And now he's reconciled with his brothers Things are uh, going pretty good. There's still a famine in the land. Um, And Joseph invites his family to come and live in Egypt. And with Pharaoh's blessing, uh, Jacob packs up his family, all his belongings, and he begins his journey to Egypt. And at the beginning of Genesis chapter 46, we're challenged by the faith of, of Jacob. 41 verse, 46 verse 1 says, So Israel, that being Jacob, took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. <clears throat> Jacob's age and his life circumstances did not disqualify or discount his life of faith, his journey of faith. Jacob at this point is 130 years old. Let's just say he has lived a little. And and if you've read um, 
Genesis, you've, you've read the life of Jacob and it's quite colorful. And so he, he's lived a little bit and at the ripe old age of 130, he is still trusting and obeying God. He's still saying yes to this journey of faith. The Bible says that he packed up all that he had and with, uh, with all that he had, he, he began this journey. And I'm incredibly challenged by this phrase, with all that he had. I think often when we're on this journey of faith, uh, God will call us into something. He will, or, or maybe he'll change the trajectory of our life at, at some point. Maybe it's, that's a career change or, or uh, a move uh, of, of your physical location or, or whatever it is. But oftentimes, we're willing to step into that season, but we've got one foot in, and we've got one foot in the last season of our lives. Anyone ever been like that? I know I have. I am guiltier than guilty. And so Jacob wasn't thinking you know, maybe, I'll, uh, maybe we'll pack up half the family, we'll leave half the family in Canaan, that weird, awkward half, and then we'll take the other half, and this half will head on to Egypt where there's plenty of food, uh, water, all the goods, right? No, he packs up absolutely everything, and he leaves Canaan, and he heads off to Egypt, The journey of faith is an all or nothing journey. There is no backup plan. We we must put all of our eggs into one basket. You know, in, in, in investing, you're told, never put all your eggs into one basket. When you are investing with the Lord, it's every single egg into one basket. It's all or nothing. And I believe that there are, uh, I believe that there are some of us in this room who are, are in a season of life where you have one foot in and you have one foot out and the Lord is drawing you, he's beckoning you to come fully in. He's saying, step in with both feet, get everything wet, get, get both feet wet. So Jacob begins this journey, and he, his first stop is in Beersheba. Now, this wasn't just any place. Uh, both uh, Jacob's father and grandfather had been to Beersheba before. And not only had they been there, but they had offered sacrifices as well. This was a place where generations prior, the family's faith had been exercised. It was was at this place where they put their trust in God. It was at this place where they said, we are going to, to to put all of us forward. We are going to say yes to this journey of faith, even if it means leaving a place we've been before. That's really hard to move on from, but we want to do everything that God is calling us to do. And so Abraham Uh, if you remember the story where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son, where did he go? He was in this place. 
And Isaac as well went to Beersheba to offer sacrifices. And I was thinking about this last night. And, um, and often I think, um, well, I'll just leave this challenge. I think sometimes we don't realize the lives that we can influence uh, when, when people see our faith exercised people's lives will be encouraged. People's lives will, yes, I can continue on. Maybe Jacob was remembering back to his, the stories of his grandfather, uh, Abraham, when he was exercising his faith, when he was um, worshiping God in Beersheba. And Jacob comes to this place as well. You have no idea the people that you will influence or impact with your faith when you step out and believe that God is leading you. Verse two continues on, and God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. Remember those words from a couple weeks ago. Here I am. Genesis chapter 37, Jacob called his son Joseph to him because he wanted him to go check on the, the 12 or the, the brothers and Joseph uh, willingly comes to his father and says, yes, here I am. And now we see Jacob willingly uh, going and trusting the Lord, saying, uh, here I am, whatever you have for me, here I am. He's now ready to follow God in whatever he is calling him to do. Even at the, the age of 130, Jacob's faith is not dead. And he says, God, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down into Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. It's interesting here that God in a dream is asking Jacob or, or calling Jacob to go into Egypt. Egypt was a place where uh, shepherds, which is what the Hebrew people were, uh, shepherds were despised. Um, actually, in the past, God had forbidden Isaac to go into Egypt because it was a, a foreign nation. And, and Abraham, even earlier, his grandfather, had also gone into Egypt and things hadn't gone well. And now God is asking Jacob, pack up everything and head into Egypt. John Salheimer says this, this may have left the impression that the whole Joseph story, which resulted in Jacob's going to Egypt, was running counter to God's purposes. Thus, when the Lord now speaks to Jacob, it becomes clear that this trip to Egypt plays a part in God's plans. God's plans often aren't our plans. God's way of doing things often is not the way we think things should be done. His thoughts are often not our thoughts. If you remember back to Genesis chapter 12 when Abraham is given the promise, before he's given the promise, God speaks to him and says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And that land was the land of Canaan. 
Canaan was the land of promise. And now, where is Jacob living? Jacob is living in the land of promise. And what is God calling Jacob to do? Leave the land of promise and go into a foreign nation. What? Are you kidding me, God? What are you talking about? This is our land. This is where we are going to establish the nation that you are creating. This is where you've called your people. Now you're calling us out of the land of promise and into Egypt? God's plans are often not our plans. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts uh, than your thoughts. Continue on in verse 4. God reaffirms uh, this promise with Jacob, and he says, For there, he says, Go down to Egypt, for there is where I will make you into a great nation. What? In a foreign land? Are you kidding me? And not only that is he reaffirming the promise, but he is assuring him of his presence with them. Two observations I want to make from Genesis chapter 46, 1 through 7. The first is that the faith journey never ends. Or the journey of faith never ends. And secondly, the journey of faith is unpredictable. As we grow older, we may be tempted to think that our walk with the Lord gets easier. We may be tempted to think uh, that the journey of faith that characterized our younger years uh, becomes less demanding. The, the one, that one day we will arrive. We will no longer have to learn more about who God is. We will no longer have to risk again. This simply isn't true. The journey of faith never ends. Serving God, following and trusting Him is not just for the new or the young and inexperienced believer, the one that one day will grow up. The journey of faith is for everyone. Till the day we take our last breath, we are on a journey following and obeying and trusting that the Lord will say and the Lord will come through on his promises. Vodi Bauckham says this, seeing the aged patriarch pack up Everything he owns and head down to Egypt is both encouraging and humbling. Jacob's journey reminds us all that we never get to an age where we no longer have to trust in God or we no longer have lessons to learn, obstacles to overcome, fears to face, sin to mortify, or journeys to take. My grandma recently turned 91 and her name is Tina, and every summer we get to see my grandma. 
and uh, when we get to see her when we, when we take our family trip to Manitoba. And at 91, there isn't much of life left uh, to live, and physically she's not able to do uh, too incredibly much, although for 91, she is definitely pulling her weight. She's doing incredible. Um, but we don't know how much time she has left on this earth. Uh, I just recently got a phone call a couple weeks ago saying we don't know how long it's going to be or how short it's going to be. But regardless, my grandma is a woman of faith. And uh, if, the, if the writer of Hebrews would have known my grandma, maybe he would have included her in the hall of faith in chapter 11. But uh, every time that we see my grandma, she tells us what would, what, uh, through what would seem like tears that she is praying for us. And she's praying for everyone in her family. And she says, Randall, I pray for you every single day. And I know she's praying for a lot more than just me. And, and, and she says, Randall, if you remember so-and-so during your day, remember to pray for them. If you remember your cousin, remember to pray for them. We don't know how much time my grandma has left on this earth, but one thing I do know is that she has not laid down the torch. She has not given up on running the race that she might win the prize. Our faith journey never ends. Secondly, not only does our faith journey never end, but it is undoubtedly, incredibly unpredictable. Has anyone else noticed this? The journey of faith, the journey of following the Lord, incredibly unpredictable. I grew up in a little town called Steinbach, Manitoba. Woo! Yes, I am a Mennonite. Yes, I love farmer's sausage and pierogies. <laughs> I grew up in Steinbach, and for some reason, growing up, I, I had this sense that I one day wouldn't be living in Steinbach anymore. I, I just, at a very early age, I remember getting angry at my parents this one time, and I, I remember yelling down the hall, I'm running away and joining a quartet. I just knew that I'd be gone, I'd be somewhere else. I was a dreamer. I loved dreaming of somewhere other than Steinbach. <laughs> In my mid-teen years, for some reason, I thought that one day I, would, I was going to move to Abbotsford, B.C. Maybe it's because it's the second Mecca uh, for the Mennonites other than Steinbach. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But uh, I thought, for some reason, I'm going to move to Abbotsford, B.C. Maybe it was because Brian Dirksen lived there. He was my favorite worship leader. And uh, maybe that's why I had this sense that I was going to not live in Steinbach. Becky and I, when we got married and were living in, in Montana, we never thought that one day we would be serving at Cochrane Alliance. Uh, we had no idea. I mean, Cochrane Alliance was where uh, Becky grew up. 
Like she spent her entire life growing up at Cochrane Alliance. We never thought that we would be sending our daughters to the dance studio that she uh, went to. We never thought we would be living in her childhood home. We never thought that we would be sending our daughters to the very school that she went to when she was a kid. Um, Jason Kaliba, the former lead pastor, was, the, was Becky's youth pastor. He was the pastor who married us. And now we're here. Like, we would have never guessed. The journey of faith is unpredictable. And I've left out, obviously, I've left out many details of my life as well. From the places that I've lived to the people that I've met to the opportunities that I've had and been given and even uh, life's difficulties have been completely unpredictable. And this is the journey of faith. This is what Abraham experienced when he packed up and believed that the Lord would show him a land to go and settle in. This is the journey that Jacob experienced at 130 years old. The Lord met him in a dream and said, you need to go to Egypt. And so he packed up everything and he went to Egypt. And this is the journey that you will experience as well if you put your faith and your trust in the Lord. God's promises will not be fulfilled the way you think they will they should be fulfilled like i said jacob was living in the land of promise and he left the land of promise with roughly 70 people and he was probably beginning to see some of the the promises uh, being fulfilled and he probably never expected that one day he would leave the land of promise in order to that four centuries later through the lives of Moses, through the lives of Joshua, that they would leave uh, Egypt into the desert for 40 years and then into the land of promise. I love what Habakkuk 1.5 says because I feel like it characterizes the life of faith Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. The journey of faith is incredibly unpredictable. I want to close with one more point. As I said, the the journey of faith is lifelong, it never ends, it's unpredictable. And, and lastly, on this journey of faith, God is leading. He is the good shepherd, the one who leads us by quiet streams, the one who anoints our head with oil, the one who comforts us, the one who upholds us. At times, it can seem on this journey of faith that we are being tossed to and fro. So many times I've thought, There's no way, there's no way that we have got it all right, that we haven't missed it. For sure, we have missed the boat. I know we've missed it. But we can trust 
that the Lord is leading us. And if for some reason we fall off the path that he has laid out for us, we can trust that he will kindly and gently bring us back onto the path. God is also concerned not only, or or sorry, God is more concerned with us being on the path that he has for us than we are even concerned with trying to figure out that path. He's far more concerned with, uh, with where he wants us to end up than we are. And sometimes I have to remember that because I stress out about it a lot. Not only is God more concerned with the journey than we are, uh, he's also concerned with who we are becoming on that journey. It would be uncharacteristic of God to lead us from place to place to place to place, season, season to season, and forget about who he is wanting us to become along that journey. God's desire is that we would fall more in love with him, that we would become more like his son, that he would lead us to surrender more to him each and every day, and that we would see Jesus more clearly. Remember this on the journey of faith, that it will never end. It's unpredictable. However, God is leading us. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. And God, I pray that that as we follow you, that we would be uh, ones who follow you with both feet in that we wouldn't have one foot in and one foot out, that we would have no back, backup plans. I pray that all who have a backup plan in here today would cancel their backup plan. That we would put all of our eggs into one basket and that we would say, Lord, wherever you take us, we are willing to go. God, I thank you that this journey is unpredictable because if it wasn't unpredictable, you wouldn't be God. We would be God because then we would know where we're headed, where we're going. But God, we trust in you. We put our faith in you. And we say, even in the unknown, you are God and we are not. And we desire to follow God, we worship you this morning. Jesus, we bless you. We praise you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way in this place. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.